0: with AWB Contract Templates. Before we were at the point of worrying about coronavirus, before we had to consider social distancing, there was a point that I decided that I wanted to use my time differently. I didn't want to fit one more thing in my day, but there were things that had to be done. And I found that this made life easier and this actually might be able to help you out right now even a little bit more than when it started to help me instacart instacart made it so that i could have the groceries brought to me and i didn't have to go out and make another trip and have more time invested in that to take away from something else to do something i had to do anyway it'll allow you to go into your app choose the things that you want and you can even choose alternates in case something isn't available someone will pick it out for you bring it to you, and they can even just leave it outside. So if you're like me and you're on calls, you don't even have to go answer the door. It'll be there, it's taken care of, you have something else off your list and your time can be put back where it's best serving you. So you can go onto the show notes or over to the website, check it out, and you can go to instacart.com. I will give you the code to get $10 off your first order. Go ahead and do something to make life easier today. Welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it is amazing to see you here where you are challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. First off, I I, I had to record this like four times just now. I do not know why my mouth is not working. (laughs) Apparently, that's where I am. Um, Side note. For the next however many weeks, you may hear my kids in the background, so just kind of letting people know if you hear a random oof or mom or whatever, yeah, that's life-lifing. Just saying, just letting people know. Um, I am actually hopping in today to bring in an um, interview that I did that, I mean, I could not have asked for. A better interview and at the most opportune time ever. Um, I was able to interview the the amazing Michelle Quay of Elevate Life Coaching. So Michelle was someone that I had been um, following on Instagram, and I I was just blown away by her energy and how she was showing up and the things that she was doing. And she reached out to me. As we had just kind of, you know, you know, I definitely connected with her um, online and just, you know, I'm so glad that we're following each other and I really like what you're doing. But she reached out about um, coming on over to my podcast as um, a guest. And I'm so glad she did because, first of all, the conversation that I had with her when we did get to talk was amazing. So I was extremely excited for our interview and she didn't disappoint yet again. Um, She just... She's amazing, and the way that she kind of talks about what she does, and kind of how she helps people with their negative self talk, and really getting people to work on the reflection of self and their ability to be vulnerable. Um, she really brings that to the table, and also just kind of hearing her story of how her journey fed into that, I mean, she's, I mean, she's just an amazing woman and she, she's just awe-inspiring to me with just her energy and what she brings. And she's, she's extremely inspiring with just how committed she is to what she does. And I like the way that she kind of looks at things. And so I want you to listen into to this amazing interview, but also thinking about how, As we talk about the word normal and how um, it can feed into these labels that limit us, how we're at a point to where we can clearly see that things around us are changing with the world. And so if you never had an opportunity before to really stop and to pay attention and see where evolution is possible, this is one of those times. And Michelle and I had some great conversation about that. So listen in, tell me what you think. So today I'm extremely excited that I have a guest and I don't have guests very often. And one, I think that that's something I want to shift, especially right now. Like I have a whole lot of people that are going to have some extra time right now. You can come talk with me. Um, but I, I, I've, I'm i always very reluctant with who I bring on because I want to bring people that are going to support the overarching messages that are important to pause on the play, but also people that I feel like are going to bring something of value, that what they talk about and what they stand for matters. And that as a person, we're actually kind of working toward these same types of common goals of getting people to view the the world differently and using their life to be an amplification tool for diversity, equity, and inclusion and all of the concepts within that to become normal. And so um, I'm very fortunate to be able to have someone today to talk to me about the word normal. And Michelle Kuei, I would like you to introduce yourself to the Pause on the Play
1: audience. Thank you so much for having me, Erica. Um, It's a pleasure. It's an honor to be able to connect with you. And I remember reaching out to you and you were like, yes, you know, come to my podcast. And and <laughs> and like you said earlier, we have so much in common in terms of like the view that we have about life and about the world. And I'm just really happy to be here. So um, I'm Michelle. I'm Michelle Quay, and I'm a life coach. I'm a certified transition life coach. And I have my own life coaching and uh, seminar company. Um, so I do. I work remotely. So a lot of things that's happening right now, it hasn't really affected me as much. Um, my life is still normal in the sense that nothing really had changed. <clears throat> so I work with negative self-talkers to um, help them to discover their inner strength and beauty by letting go of the fear for judgment. And I do that. Um, I've been doing this for the last two years. I started the company. Um, and then throughout the whole um, 15 years of my career, I've been working as a pharmacist in the healthcare system. Um, so I'm really familiar with consultation and talking to people, and I enjoy talking to people. So, yeah, that's basically in a nutshell of who, what I do. And in terms of who I am, I'm sure if the listener is listening to the podcast, you'll discover more about who I am. So
0: I think what stood out to me so much about you was before you'd even reached out to me, I had actually been following you on Instagram and you showed this open and honest level of vulnerability that I find to not always be common. And it's the interesting part is that for someone that is four foot four, And that is physically disabled. And I say that just so before anybody says anything, Michelle and I talked about that and being able to say physically disabled is something that she's like, no, just say that thing. Um, And we're going to go into that as well, but seeing how you have these things that make up, you know, they're, they're parts of who you are, but they don't limit or dictate who you are. And these things that someone could very easily say, oh, well, this happens to be your lot in life. And yet, Your personality and empathy and vulnerability and just authenticity just really kind of blew me away. Like, you showed up as larger than life in so many ways. And I was just like, I am loving on her already. (laughs) Like, I love it. And being that someone could assume who or how you would be before they met you. I'd actually like to to hear how um you know a little bit about your life and how that's actually supported you in getting to this place of really supporting people with their negative self self-talk.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think a lot of people um, see um, when they follow me on social media or when they see me in person, what they see is very, you know, someone who's very happy, smile all the time and very um, optimistic and very positive the whole time. But what people don't see is that behind those positivity, behind those optimism, there was a period where. I went through that same struggle, that negativity, I was depressed, I was lonely. And, and all of that was the, the positivity that we see is the outcome of what we have gone through. And, and my journey really started when I was 11 years old. Um, so one day I was coming off school and I was waiting for my mom to pick me up and she was running a little bit late. And I saw her coming on the opposite side of the tree. So I wanted to, you know, get up and, and meet her on the other side of the street. So I got up and I started crossing the street. And as I was in the middle of the street, um, I saw my best friend standing up and she was just yelling. And she said, stop, stop. And and by the time I responded and realized, um, I smelled the rubber that was burning from the tire that was coming towards me. And, and the next thing I knew was I was waking up in a hospital bed. Um, I saw my parents standing next to me and they were just talking to the doctor. And I realized that from my bottom, from my waist all the way to my ankle, I was um, wrapped with plaster. So the doctor had to secure my body with the plaster that was wrapping around me for the following three months. So at 11 years old, I was bound um, in my home, in my bed. No school, no friends, and all my friends at that point was going through graduation. They were ready for the next phase of life. So in that moment, I was pretty much um, just tied down to a confined space. And growing up, it was always like that. So I was always in a very confined space. Um, it, meaning, it, it may not be physical confined, phys- physically uh, confined, but in terms of emotional confined. Um, so. After the, after the accident, after my car accident, I tried to, um, so I did recovery, I did rehab, but it was to the point where um, my body was creating a lot of pressure on my legs, and which ultimately created this disfiguring of my leg. And by the time I reached to college, I was walking with crutches. So growing up has always been, I look very different. And it goes back to that word normal. So I didn't look normal. Rather, I look really abnormal. At least in my mind, I'm thinking, well, this is not a normal person look. This is how they look. They don't walk with crutches. They, this, their legs are straight. My legs are crooked. And I'm only four, four feet four inches tall. So very petite. And I'm a grown woman. and And... I don't look normal at all. A normal woman looks like some kind of shape, regardless what shape they're in. Um, Diamond shape, pear shape, apple shape, whatever shape, round shape, they're in some kind of shape. But when I look into the mirror, I didn't see that shape on my body. So my mind was set. I don't look normal. I isolated myself into my space and feeling that I am the victim of this tragedy, I am the victim of a curse. I actually, um, from time to time, I refer my my incident, my car accident as a curse. Of course, it only happened to me. Of all the people, all the siblings I have in my family, it has to happen to me. This is a curse. So growing up, I always had that feeling of being isolated. I didn't belong to anywhere. I don't fit in to the society, and and when even when I go to the grocery store, I, I think the biggest challenge in going to the grocery store is you find all the essential stuff on the top of the shelf, and I'm like there are times where I'm standing in the grocery shop and I'm looking at the shelf like how am I supposed to reach that? Like right, no one ever think about hey maybe the essential should go to to the bottom shelf because normally all these essential would be on the top shelf, so there's a lot of um just Things that we perceive as being normal, I saw it as there's nothing normal about them. There's such a big difference and and in terms of how we see things and how we view things. And it's all a reflection of who we are in that moment of time. and and in my email, you know, on my signature in in my email, I have this quote. it says, um, we don't see the world as it is; we see the world as we are, which is very interesting. Because if you see if if you're you're seeing abnormal as being the normal, then to you it's always going going to be abnormal because that's how you perceive it. But going through my journey, I started to realize that there normal is really subjective. It's, it's depending on how you grew up, what culture you came from, what belief system that you have. That defines your normal. What is normal for you is completely different from another person. So in order to break that wall of our belief, our, our ideas of how we see the world, in order to break that wall, we have to go back and I had to go back to look at what is it that define a woman who they are? Like, is it the shape? Is it how beautiful they are? Is it, is it the, how, how long your hair, how, how do you dress? You know, it's not, I realize that it's not the external appearance anymore. It's what's going on in the inside. Like you were all normal in the sense that you would feel lonely just like I do. And that, that feeling is completely normal across the board, across all humanity. When we talk about being sad, we know what sadness means because it's normal to us. We all feel at some point that sadness, so we can relate to it. It has nothing to do with, oh, yeah, that person looks beautiful, and that's the dress that they're wearing, and that's normal. It's it's not the external label.
0: You said so many things and I'm like, wow, okay. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I, first of all, thank you. Because there were, there were, there were things that I wasn't fully aware of, of your story. And the fact that you were willing to, to share those things. I, I, I want it to be no like, thank you. There's an immense amount of gratitude that I have for you for just being able to be honest about something that for some people, um, that wouldn't they wouldn't have been able to do that and to be able to be that um, that open and that honest is something that I think sometimes people don't always understand that that's it's not always for you it's for those that maybe aren't there yet or that need to know that it is safe to do that and I appreciate that you felt safe to do that so thank you Michelle thank you um, you mentioned i think a few different things that i I want to go into. One of them was that when you talked about you talked about your accident, and obviously this was something that changed what life looked like, but there were there are already things about you that, from a diversity standpoint, were already there, and it just so happened that the accident added a few extra layers to it. And so when you do talk about, um, you know, kind of the fact that normal is subjective and I agree 150% on that, um, you essentially had some other things that kind of added to that, um, when you look at race, age, um, ability, you know, whether or not you, like you said, like literally reaching the top shelf of, of the grocery store, like that's a, that's a thing. And to me, it's a metaphor for so many things. So, um, like just being able to, to see where diversity and feeling included and how equitable things are. I mean, this shows up in a lot of different places for you in life. And how do you, how do you think that that's kind of shaped, um, the way that, you guide people through their reflection of themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I think, um, you know, so you brought up a really interesting term of diversity, right? So we think we look at the world as being so diverse, um, where different race, different age, different ability to, to perform these daily activities as simple as reaching up the shelf. But what it also brings back to is, are, are we really that diverse when we look at humanity in overall, in one sense, right? So, so when we see each other, when, when people see me, they see my height, they see my how, how um, I look different in the outside and that I am Asian, um, that my skin is yellow versus someone who may be black and who may be white. And, and when you, when we use the word diversity, we're referring to that external world of everyone is very different, but when we strip away all our differences, and this is what I teach my clients too, is when you strip away all the differences and when you put a mirror in front of each other, like, what do you see? You see another human being have feelings, emotion and thoughts just the same way that we do. So in a sense, diversity is really a term that we created to help us understand our, each other's differences. And, and by doing so, we actually create separation rather than that togetherness because ultimately we are not that different. We are all the same. So there is no such a thing as a diversity, Diversity was created because we wanted to make people feel comfortable about their uniqueness. But what we don't realize is that at the same time, we're also creating a wall in front of everybody. You are Asian. Therefore, you should behave in a certain way. You are disabled. Therefore, your limitation is this and that. You can't reach the shelf. But how about let's remove all these limitations, all these judgment that we put on people and that's treat each other as human being i hear you i see you i understand you on a human level so diversity to me it's a it's a term that we created because just like normal we want to have a word that identify and help us to understand What is it that we're feeling right now? And how do we categorize it? So without any meaning, without us putting, without human putting meaning to the word, then we're all just together as human, as one, as the world. And that's the idea idea I I keep teaching my my client. Um, You know, it's about the judgment and the judgment that we all carry against each other, within each other, and within the society as a whole. Well, and the interesting part
0: is a lot of times I'll have conversations with people and when we talk about diversity, um, a big chunk of it is around the fact that it's based in um, societal labeling. You know, you're a woman, you're a man, you are tall, you are short, you are skinny, you are, you know, fat. Uh, you are, you know, and and then you get into the entire construct of race that isn't even actually a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens is, we are limiting ourselves to have to be whatever it is that um, we are, quote unquote, supposed to be because of that, whatever it is that people expect from us because of that. And sometimes that societal programming can make us think that, well, this is quote unquote, what I am. So this is what I have to be. And so I agree that, you know, being able to get to the core of who we are. And if you want to look at diversity, trying to look at it from a point of view of, um, you know, maybe like the diversity of, of, of feeling and the processing of information, like there's so much more to it than that. And the diversity, as far as the, um, outside pieces are more from the fact that it doesn't mean that I don't agree with all of it, but I also Mm -hmm. know that this is what the world is at this point. The interesting thing about what's going on right now with coronavirus is the fact that it's very clear to see that this is changing so much of what is our normal at this point. So many things that were considered normal, we can't do. And a lot of these things, I personally don't think that they're, they're just going to go back. I think at some point this is creating some permanent levels of change that some of which I think really needed to happen. Um, and and so I think that the diversity is something that I, I still think needs to be addressed, but it also represents a construct that I wish didn't exist. I, re, I wish there was no need for what I do, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I wish that um, there wasn't this necessity to categorize us on things that we don't have any choice in. Um, You know, nobody is choosing how tall they are. No one is choosing how long their hair will grow or what, you know, the texture of it is naturally out of their head. Nobody has any choice to age. Um, Contrary to what some may think, who you choose to love and how you choose to feel about the body you were born in. That's not a choice either, at least not to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think as a whole, you, you bring up um, a really great con- you know, context in that diversity is so much more than what we have labeled it to be. And my hope with that is that um, it evolves to a place that that can be, what it actually is as a whole and that we don't have to be limited by these societal indicators that put us in any of the boxes created by the concept of diversity that
1: makes sense yeah. <laughs> that's a lot yeah i absolutely agree with you and 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 you know with all these labels it's really we we created we put on these labels so that we can better understand the unspoken language right so so with the, you brought up a good point with the, with the coronavirus I, I think it, I'm seeing it as a great opportunity for the whole humanity to come in and, and really not only to look at how we behave on an individual level. You know, are we washing our hands? Are, is it frequent enough? Are we doing it the right way? Are we conserving our energy? And all that type of individual, on an individual level, that we can do so much for our society. That it creates an opportunity for, for us to really look into that. And as a society for whole, the opportunity lies that how, how much more connection are we able to make nowadays? Right, So all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, because something happened, something tragic happened or something as big as a pandemic that happened, we start to think about, oh, I need to care for the loved one. I need to care for my neighbor. If someone unable to go to the grocery shop, let me help them. Let me contribute. And it brings events such like this. It creates such a great opportunity for us to learn so much about humanity and also about ourselves. So if we're trying to focus only on, oh, my God, you know, this event is terrible. It's happening. I can't believe this is happening. You know, what am I going to do? If we keep focusing on ourselves and, and just caring within our own circle, within our own family, then then the society will break apart. So the opportunity Agreed. and the diversity comes in because... Look at how much opportunity we have to bring everyone together, to connect with each other, to care for each other from a very loving and caring space. And without that diversity, diversity, it doesn't make sense anymore, it, at least in that social context, right? There's no mm-hmm. such as you and me. There's we together. We need to get to this. And I think that's a, there's a great paradigm shift in our society as a whole, that more and more people start seeing and shifting away the perspective of, this is you, this is me, and that was the end of it. Now we're seeing more and more of, that's do this together, we are in this as one, and that we can do this together. And when we do that, what we believe is true in the past no longer exists, or it's not there anymore. So perhaps you know we were thinking, um, oh yeah, that neighbor is not helping me. And suddenly, that neighbor start connecting with you and caring for you. Um, that connection start to melt away, and this is where our love and our compassion and kindness start to shift in, and we see more and more of that in a situation like this.
0: This everything that's happening right now is going to. I, I, I think what you said is right. And, you know, if, if not, it's going to break us. And I definitely think that it's an opportunity to bend in a positive way or break if people aren't willing to, to bend because we've just been doing things in a way that hasn't been working. And so, um, regardless of what it is that you believe in, at some point, something is, is essentially trying to send the message that what we're doing. And the way that it's been happening isn't working and something needs to change. And, you know, in my opinion, it's definitely bringing attention to the fact that there's a number of things that need to be done differently to make sure that the, the creative whole can continue to thrive. And it's, it's getting you to this point of having to understand that, like, you know, Regardless of what your access level was, how much money you have, any of those kinds of things, you know, if all of these things come down and say, hey, guess what? Everybody's in the house for the next 30, 60 days, however long this is going to happen, it then puts everybody on equal footing all of a sudden. And so these things that maybe made someone feel as though they were uh, better than, you know, or, or above, no, we're all going to be kind of in the same place. and figuring out how this helps with the collective whole does put us in a place of being able to break down some of these barriers that the concepts of, um, you know, what, what existed as separation, like being able to kind of step past that and and being able to, to see what else is there. And I think being able to, um, being willing to do something differently, Because at the end of the day, I think everything that's happening, everything that I do in my work, everything that you do in your work, it's all based around trying to get people willing to accept the concept of and then to be in action of doing something differently. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. And and you know um, there's so much in that in what you just share and and what came up for me in, in my in my thought was you know we're all in this together and and sometimes there's a joke that I tell my client and tell my friend uh, they they would say oh you know that person that celebrity is so big I I I admire that person I think that person is great I want to be that like that person or they they see Dalai Lama and they're like oh my God that's Dalai Lama so they see them differently and and they see them as these higher uh rank than themselves and so the joke i would tell them is so do you think behind the door when dalai lama go home he doesn't shit he doesn't use toilet paper (laughs) i love you (laughs) it's true (laughs) it's real it's Dalai Lama or when we see a doctor we feel intimidated by them we don't feel we feel that space right but when they close the door do they go home they, they don't they don't shit they don't use toilet paper I'm sure they're just as concerned with the toilet paper as you are right now <laughs> exactly <laughs> I was gonna
0: say I was about to be like well if they can find toilet
1: paper because that's a thing right now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're gonna see Dalai Lama running to the store and stocking up on the toilet paper just like me. <laughs> it's, but but the
0: beautiful thing is that w- what you said is it's a way to humanize us and to equalize us I, I you're right you are 100% correct
1: so yeah my disability it's not a disability it's it's a a limitation physically for me to reach to the top shelf but in terms of emotion there's something else that that it's limiting the you that I am not noticing and that is your limitation so just like I do I'm disabled physically but for someone else they may be disabled emotionally but we don't Mm -hmm. see that yes which makes us all Mm -hmm. the same we're all equal we're all on the same level
0: so Speaking of that, it's something that I want to make sure that we have the conversation on because I really appreciated your kind of take on this. So um, you you have a book that you've written. I want you to talk about your book first and then I'll come back to what I'm going to say. Tell, I want you to tell the audience about your book, because if you're in a house and you want to actually like support people, buy people's books. Buy books from people that you want to see thriving right now. So this is an opportunity, Michelle. I want you to t- tell people about your book. Yes, this is shameless promotion
1: right <laughs> now. <laughs> I love your shameless promotion. <laughs> <laughs> shameless. It's called fearless. Fearless promotion. <laughs> fearless. Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. So my book, I published a memoir. It's a memoir, a story of um myself through my childhood memory all the way up until this point. And the book is titled Perfectly Normal, an Immigrant's Story of Making It in America. Um, and I came up with a title, with a subtitle, actually, An Immigrant Story of Making It in America. I was debating because it happened around the time I think there was a big shooting in the Midwest. And I was debating what title to give. Initially, I was going to call it, I was going to title it, and An Immigrant Story of Killing It in America. And ah uh, my editor said no 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 this is a very sensitive time that's not use the word killing and-, and my idea it's not about killing it's about us bringing ourselves out and shine in whatever we do and you're killing it you're killing what you do mm-hmm. you're shining your you your brilliance is shining right now and and that's why i wanted to call it a uh, an immigrant story of killing it. But I end up using perfectly normal, an immigrant story of making it in America. And the story began when I was born in a little tiny um, village. Um, My my dad used to be in the military. So so they assigned the military family um, to be in this little little, tiny village. And, And this all happened in Taiwan. So I was born in Taiwan. And growing up in this tiny little village with all my relatives, so I have two uncles and one aunt, we all share that little tiny space. And I remember growing up, my family only had a, I believe it was a 400 square feet space. And it was my mom. My my parents, my brother, and I I was just born in in not not too long after we um got that shared space. So it was four of us sharing that tiny little space. So the story begins um in that village, and then it carries all the way up until um, a couple of years ago, and it kind of ended where um I was ready to accept the new person of who I am, I realized that there's so much more that I can offer to the world. There's so much love that I can give to others to help others. Um, it ended on a story where um, I was, a I, I had a physical um, trainer. I have a personal trainer um, where I had a lot of feelings for that person. And, and interestingly, you know, I've noticed throughout the book, I spoke a lot about my relationship um, and how those relationships made me learn so much about myself. Um, not only in the, initially, these relationships created a lot of negative self-talk in myself, that beauty image of who I am. It was struggle to go through those relationships and knowing who I am. And then it ended at the in the book, um, where I started to realize that, you know, this is the type of relationship that I don't want to be in. And I want to be authentic. I want to honor my authenticity. And so I stood up and, and I basically walked out of that relationship. It was a friendship. It was a really close friendship. And I ended that relationship. And, and here I am, you know, I'm, I'm much more happier for accepting for who I am and also honoring myself, being able to honor my values that I hold highly uh, for myself. Um, yeah, so that is the book, and if people are interested, it is on sale in on Amazon, and you can also go to my website, actually, and you'll be able to get a copy, a signed copy through my website. And my website is, uh, since it's a shameless uh, promotion, so <laughs> my website <laughs> My website is at elevatelifecoaching.org.
0: And I will be putting this in the show notes. I'm going to ask that people go to Michelle's website because like, I don't always like to feed the Amazon machine, but I know that right now this is, you got to kind of get what you can where you can. Mm-hmm. But if possible, I'm I always definitely suggest that people go directly to like small bookstores or directly to the person as opposed to having another third party in there. So that's mm-hmm. going to be my suggestion, but
1: I, yes, I need you to go book.
0: buy this book, people. Go yeah. buy the book.
1: Go ahead. <laughs> if you if they go to my website, it's definitely going to be a signed book. Yeah.
0: Yes, do that. It. And I, I, I love the fact of how there's something to be said about just that evolution of self when you're kind of like, okay, I have feelings within me just like anybody else, and yet I am navigating things of, you know, what feels good for me. What is it that I need to say no to in order to say yes to me and how that is a part of navigating that kind of you know, that that inner gremlin, that negative self talk, you know, how you are processing yourself uh, versus you know, maybe how you actually are, or you know how you can process yourself in a in a different light. and i I think there's something so valuable mm-hmm. in being able to 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 talk about that because there's nothing that I do or anyone else that is within the space of of values, types of work. That doesn't, you know, revolve around you having to see yourself in a way that you are stepping into doing something that's bigger than self. Like It's virtually impossible to do that unless you're able to realize that, you know, how do I see myself? What am I capable of? What am I deserving of? You know, who am I to types of statements?
1: Yeah. And and I think it goes back to, in order to do that, and and we all have that negative self-talk, right? There's always that voice, that jump in the middle of the night or some very important decision that we're making. And that negative self-talk is just constantly there. That voice is there. And that voice is there uh, for a reason. And that voice typically will show up as a warning, like Oh, be careful not to do this. This is going to make you uh, feel hurt. Um, for relationship, for example, you know, there's that negative voice of, oh, yeah, that person is not calling you back because, because they don't care about you or, or they're not interested in you. So we start creating stories just from after one thinking, one thought that we have. And so what really worked is what had helped me is really by creating that awareness of this is what I'm feeling now. And is this feeling or is this thinking, this thought, is it is it really me? Is it me doing the talking or is it another thing that's in there that's judging me? And typically it's a very judgy voice. And I call I call this thing a uh, judgy Judgerson, or I call I call this thing. <laughs> <laughs> It's a judgy <laughs> Judgerson that yes. we all have. And so when JJ show up Is it me? Is it Michelle? No, it's a voice stopping me from being hurt, from stopping, um, you know, crossing that wall to be vulnerable, to share my ideas, my feelings with another person. It's JJ stopping me from doing that. But Michelle... Wants to do something very different. Michelle wants to share her love. Michelle wants to jump over the wall and helping the other person. Michelle wants to be loved. I want. I want to welcome love. That's what Michelle wants. So, I think a lot of us, you know, we have um, learned to play small because the society or the expectation is put on us that keeping us small. So the expectation of a woman should behave in certain ways. Uh, the expectation of a culture needs to behave in certain ways. So these expectations have created that that for, for our ability to, to lay down the brick, one brick at a time to build this wall in front of us. And of course, JJ comes in and JJ says, see, there's a reason why you created that wall because you don't want to let the wall down and be allowing people to come in and hurt you. And they're going to hurt you. So we actually created that wall ourselves by listening to this voice. So if you were to start recognizing and really truly start going into inward, developing inward, your ability to tap into yourself, you have a higher power. You have a higher coach who can share and listen to you how you're feeling right now honoring yourself if you're hurt great that's heal from heal that wound from the inside instead of keep you know searching from the outside and when we start looking into ourselves diving inward then we start to realize what are my values what do i want in this life what kind of life do i want to live And in order to do, in order to live the life that I want, what is it that I have to do in order to achieve that? So as you start focusing on the life that you want, with the value that have for yourself, and you start to recognizing who you are, truly, authentically, then that JJ, that voice that we all have become in the background. It's not going away, but you'll be able to walk with it. And the idea of dealing or handling life, that fear is not to eliminate it. And I have clients coming to me initially and they're like, Michelle, I need to know the way to uh, eliminate my fear or to avoid my fear or to be able to conquer my fear. So here's the thing. JJ was all part of you. It was you holding the hand on that journey. So in order to overcome that fear, in order to... Um, stand up for yourself, the idea is not to make it go away. The idea is to have that space to provide loving and caring and say to JJ, I know you're there, but it's okay. You're not me, and I am going to do this anyway." So you're walking with it rather than fighting it. Every time we fight it, we're putting a lot of energy, and that energy typically is very draining. It's very tiring. So you're constantly in a battle with the fear, and and what happens is when you're in the battle, sometimes you you win, sometimes you don't. But if you were to see JJ as part of you, part of your friend, and at t- time of danger, JJ is gonna come and prevent you from suicidal death that maybe it's an action bungee jump i would never go to bungee jump because my jj won't let me
0: <laughs> jj said don't, that, <laughs> don't do that
1: please <laughs> in, in those moments jj is very useful right because I jj right. is trying to protect me from danger so i want jj to show up in the time of danger I want JJ to be there so I don't want to get rid of my JJ I want JJ to be my friend and working with me so sometimes I describe it as you know I'm sitting in the in the driver's seat and JJ is sitting in my passenger seat so when there is danger JJ can let me know oh Michelle there is danger just be careful but I'm still in the driving seat I'm still driving my life it
0: makes perfect I love that analogy Because yes, I think for so many people, it's this, it needs to go away. And it's like, you know, even if you take it down to just kind of that, you know, basal fight or flight kind of thing, like you don't want to lose that. Like you don't want it to be so hypersensitive that just somebody, you know, not subscribing to your program will automatically send you into this. Oh my gosh, the world is terrible. I'm never going to make enough money, Mm -hmm. but you want to keep it if there legitimately is a bear coming at you, like, oh, there's a bear, like you need to run <laughs> or climb this tree or whatever needs to happen. So, I mean, yes, I think what you, what you said is right. And it's interesting how it can show up in very different ways. And some of the ways can sometimes tell you that it's not necessary. And I do think that there is, there is necessity for it. absolutely. And yeah. I actually want to kind of take, you know, that concept of that JJ where I think everybody's can show up in different ways and kind of, if you're not aware, it can dictate a lot of your thoughts or actions. And I want to go back to um, something that I think I remember you telling me about when you were writing your book and it was this whole thing around whether or not to use the word disabled and how somebody else's JJ kind of was like, no no and how yours was like oh no it's fine i'm i'm gonna stay over here in the passenger seat because i think michelle has this one (laughs) um i want you to actually um you know i definitely want kind of want to give give everyone some um insight into how that looked different than i think some people would uh kind of write the story and and have you believe that works
1: yeah and so when I was writing, you know, I, I, in, in every, pa- almost every paragraph in one of the chapter, I was just describing how, how I came out of, I kind of came out of the light, because I started to realize that there, there's a change that needs to be done. What was working is not longer, no longer working. So in that, in that particular chapter, Every almost every paragraph I use the word normal. So when I sent it to my editor and she she returned it back to me, she was really concerned. I remember she wanted to jump on a call with me and she said, Michelle, we need to talk about the word normal because you can't use that in the in the in the book. Um, your audience, your your reader is gonna get, get really offended. Uh, and I was thinking, why? Why would they be offended? You know, don't people use normal a lot? I mean normal it seems to be normal. And, and then she said, well, you know, normal is very subjective. It's very different. What's normal for you is not normal for another person. I said, yeah, but this is my book. And and <laughs> to me, that's the word I will use normal. If I don't, I remember even posted a survey to within my community. I said, you know, so if you guys don't use the word normal in a paragraph, what else would you use? And people Some people really took it personal, and they were really offended by the word "normal," and others were like, "Well, it's just a word, just a label. I don't know what else to use besides normal." I said, "Exactly, that's the whole idea." And what we're teaching here, you know, both you and I, we're we're helping people to realize that you need to elevate above how our our, the way that we're typically thinking and in order to elevate yourself from the way that you're typically thinking we have to go back and, and understand you know what kind of word are we using and what does it mean for us so normal for me it means me being able to perform my daily routine normal means that i am part of this society and i'm making contribution i'm going to work i'm making bring bring home income i'm able to speak to clients i'm able to teach i'm able to do all that that is normal for me but for someone else, normal could be something like, oh, um, you know, going to the grocery shop, going, getting out, getting out of bed, you know, that would be normal for them. So if we were to take a take a census, take a poll of what normal or normalcy means to everybody, we will get tons and tons of different definitions. So perfectly normal means perfectly normal for you. What is perfectly normal to you? And
0: and normal's changing, so people need to be aware of that too.
1: Exactly. And, and it's changing because our belief system, the whole reason why we believe what is normal is based on our experience. It's also based on our culture, our um, beliefs that we have, our assumption, our expectation of certain things. That, those elements are what's shaping our understanding, our definition of normal. Now, well, if you see certain things in, in, in a way and you believe that's normal, it's because your experience taught you that this is normal. So we've been... Exactly. Yeah. So so to change that, if something is not working, if something is, you feel that there's a change um, that your people are experiencing, you're experiencing right now, then perhaps it's time to go back and redefine what your normal is. And when you do that, that's where awareness comes in. And you will realize, oh, I used to believe that certain people would look certain way. That's not normal.
0: And I think that it's very, people are, are, are already taught that like normal is X, Y, Z and it, whatever that is that it looks like. And then you have, however they categorize it. And, um, I remember in that first conversation, I wasn't sure what to say. And you were like, no, it's okay to say disabled because there will be, there've been some people that are like, no, we don't use that word. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like I've had people, you know, to me, they're like, oh, well, you know, do you want me to say black? Or do you want me to say African-American? And I'm like, uh, if you don't call me the N word, like it's kind of all good. Like I don't really, <laughs> to me, it's a word and it's mm-hmm. just the label. And I, I think it's like, to me, these terms are so charged and people are giving that power and they're looking for us to give it that same level of power.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's how we define, um, different situation. And I remember it was, you know, there's a story where I was working in the hospital one day and there was a patient on the gurney and they were bringing that patient to the surgery room and I was passing by that person. And, and this is the first time we ever met. And, and he turned around and he said, Oh, I thought I, I saw a dwarf. And so typically, we I, I reacted to it as oh wow that was hurtful and I wouldn't say anything, but you know the word dwarf has a really specific meaning, and mm-hmm. it has really hereditary um, definition behind it in a healthcare uh, uh, definition. So I actually stopped the gurning and I told him, listen, I don't know you, and. For you to call me a dwarf, you don't even know what I have. That is a very offensive comment, and he was shocked because I I bet you that no one had ever stopped him and say, listen, what you're believing in is actually very harmful to another person, and and so we start hiding our feelings, our authenticity away because we're afraid of how the other person will respond. But instead of of being honest and had I not called that person out that person is probably gonna go around and and call other people who shorter shorter statue um more pretty the same way that he he, he called me so it's all in the context of how do you define the word for yourself so to him anyone who's shorter than him probably is considered a dwarf to me well dwarf is really has a really solid definition. Well, and, and what you said is important
0: too, in the sense that like, you are not, you don't, you're not like the spokesperson for everyone that is four foot four. Mm -hmm. Like you are simply saying, this is, this is me. And I think it's very often that people will expect someone to speak for everyone that falls into their their category. And, you know, for someone that is an intersection of multiple categories, it's like, okay, so am I literally speaking for everybody now? Like what does this look like? And I think, um, again, being that the fact that, um, from you, you kind of gave me that permission where it's like, no, you disabled is the word to use, Mm -hmm. but I, but that's also, that was your choice, you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's going to feel that way. And that's where I think people can get into trouble because they'll say, Oh, well one person gave me this permission and so therefore mm. you know nobody else now has the space to feel differently outside of that and that then just distills everybody down to the fact that you have to now go into this one box because this is what this one person said that one time
1: yeah yeah and and there's um actually four um blocks um for us to make connection and the four blocks are actually assumption interpretation Um, Our limiting belief and also our our gremlin. So those are the four biggest block for people to make connection with each other. So if I were to assume that this is, this is how everybody wants me to refer them, and I go around and, and just calling everybody Oh, yeah, you're disabled or you're a dwarf, um, that's not, that's not the right way of making connection. The The right way of making connection, in, in at least in my opinion, is that you ask for permission. Is it okay? How would you feel if, or just allow the other person to share that with you? Hey, you know, Erica, it's completely okay that you call me, um, you, you refer me as disabled because I don't, that word is meaningless to me. And it's okay. So, so it's a, the idea is to get permission and respect each other of our differences and our gifts. And it's more importantly to, to recognize each other's gifts than the shortcoming of, of our limitation.
0: Well, and you have to have the communication and the connection in order to get that permission mm-hmm. to be able to have that conversation for someone to say, you know, this is how I feel or this is, you know, my particular take on it. And also understanding that, you know, we all evolve and that maybe how I, how I thought about something 10, 20 years ago, maybe isn't how I feel today. And being able to, um, have some context around things as well. Cause I mean, it's just like, if you ask someone at, you know, a a highly charged time, you may get a different answer than if someone is, you know, calm and even keeled. So Mm -hmm. I, I think there's, there is that context and being able to have that conversation and saying, Hey you know, how about or what do you think or, you know, how does this make you feel like actually inquiring and being able to kind of have that visibility being a two way street of, like you said, you know, hearing a person, seeing a person and understanding them, you you have to allow them to see you in order to see them and vice versa, because we both, you know, both people within a conversation or everyone within a group conversation, like everybody wants to be a part of that. And mm-hmm. so we all need to be on the giving and receiving end of that.
1: Absolutely, and, and I oftentimes um, say, vulnerability is our superpower, and we need to start using our superpower. Be vulnerable. It's okay. Share, share ideas, and you, you'll you'll find so much greater value. It'll it'll be lead you to a bigger place and better place. You know, um, so vulnerability is our superpower.
0: Well this is a time where I feel like that superpower is about to be supercharged because <laughs> that vulnerability is going to have to show up. We we're all, you know, there's a little bit of a captive audience right now. And so we're having to show up and kind of hold court with each other in ways that before we could just kind of opt out on. And so now, you know, again, we're going to kind of see where the current situation that's going to take us, but I'm actually really excited to see what that evolution can look like. So Mm -hmm. I think that it could be very easy for me to talk to you for hours. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, the biggest thing is, I mean, you, uh, first of all, uh, everyone knows I'm a sucker for amazing conversation and you gave tons, tons of that and a lot of things to think about. And for you, you know, sharing your points of view and your time and your energy, Michelle, I just want to bottom my heart. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. This is a great opportunity. and I really enjoy conversation and, and conversation like this is what brings the connection back into our lives. And and you'll be surprised. You know, this is where the vulnerability of, you know, the goodness and, and you know, learning about each other. It, it, there's great values in the connections.
0: I agree. So again, I'm going to put in the show notes, everything so people can go buy your book as they're quarantined. However, um, go ahead and let everyone know before we, before we hop off here, tell them where they can find you.
1: So you can all find me on my website at elevatelifecoaching.org or if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, I am at elevatelifecoach.
0: Awesome. So everything will be in the show notes. Um, if you have any additional questions from Michelle, I highly encourage for you to go over and to just start talking to her. She She's amazing as you've heard, and she actually wants to talk back. So conversation is to be had. <laughs> so again, thank you so much, Michelle. And thank you everyone listening. I know this was a long episode, but this was so valuable and I'm glad that Michelle, you brought everything that you brought. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Michelle and I had a great conversation there. And I'm glad that you got to kind of be a fly on the wall and hear what that sounds like. This is the type of conversation that I love having with people. An opportunity to allow yourself to be seen and to clearly see them, to go beyond just the surface things. And this type of conversation is exactly why... India and I created pause on the Play, the community. It's a space where you can come in and actually be able to get support shoulder to shoulder with other individuals and business owners that are looking to make change and impact and really do something good in the world. And it's an opportunity for you to be able to get support, to be able to talk through where you are, what it is that you need, and just being able to figure out, okay, what's the next step? Where am I going and how am I going to get there? And the biggest thing is you do not have to go alone. So knowing that can change everything. It's a $97 a month investment. And for that, you have a private Facebook group with Indy and I where you're able to get dialogue and support. You get one Zoom se- Zoom session. yeah look at that. I'm telling you, being home, it's a lot. (laughs) One Zoom session a month, that's an hour long. And you're able to actually get some Q&A to be able to get individualized answers to where you are, what you're doing, and how to move the needle forward. You get weekly check-ins that are gonna help to keep you accountable, but we're also helping you to make sure that integration and implementation are keeping you in imperfect action. And I want you in the room. We want you in the room. The community needs you in the room. Come on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community and learn more and sign up today. If you enjoyed this podcast, show us some love by subscribing, share with a friend, or come on over and leave us a review. You know that reviews are the fuel to keep the podcast engine going. Let's get more people dropping the veil, challenging their thoughts, feelings, and and actions as always we love being here and creating the bridge for you to walk over to become the change that you want to see so join us next time and until then keep the dialogue going bye